And welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is Tony Award-winning actress Dinah Manoff. Dinah is probably best known for playing Marty, one of the pink ladies in Greece. Horror fans know her as Maggie, Chucky's first victim in Child's Play. I best know her as Carol Weston from Empty Nest, the very first Golden Girls spinoff. The show ran for seven seasons. It's fantastic. She's out with her very first novel. It's called The Real True Hollywood Story of Jackie Gold. It's getting great reviews. It's a really good book. I started it. I recommend it to everyone. We talk about why she decided to write the book. Of course, we talk Grease. We talk Child's Play, Empty Nest, what she's up to these days besides the book. I really enjoy my conversation with Dinah, and I hope you do as well. So, Dinah, before we start, let me wish you a healthy and happy Hanukkah because we're in the midst and, uh, of... Uh, happy Hanukkah to you as well. Thank you. Now, let me get your thoughts on this. Um, we have a, I guess we call it a Hanukkah bush in our house. We decorate it and put presents. I mean, we're not overly you know, religious, but what are your thoughts on that? Boy, you're really starting out with the heavy. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we're going straight to religion. Okay. It only gets worse. Um, well but i like to talk about this that's a really interesting question actually i was raised both my parents are jewish were jewish and yet they were also both very agnostic secular communist american jews right so we were raised with a christmas tree okay we always had a christmas tree in our house but we also did a little little holidays. We did a little singing. We did a little matzo ball soup. So we kind of had a little bit of everything in our house. When I had children, I decided that we would celebrate uh, uh, what I call Christmas Kwanzaa. Okay. <laughs> because we just are, we're a lot of everything in our house. Right. So my kids had a tree. We had a, a menorah. We had, you know, we celebrated a little bit of everything, but we we did it in a fairly secular way. I would say that our house is leans more toward the spiritual than the religious. However, all my boys were bar mitzvahed, and I like the culture. I like the tradition. I like the music. Um, but as far as religion goes, I take a step back. That's pretty much what I do as well. I mean, like my oldest was Barmansford. My daughter, we're not going to do it just because it's too much pressure on her. And then my youngest is only two. So we have plenty of time to worry, worry about him. But I just don't like a place where I have to pay to pray. And I'm why, with you. Yeah, exactly. Why? I mean, if I'm going to pray, why can't I just do it in my house or outside? Yeah. Why do I have to pay a maintenance fee, uh, a building fee, this yeah. and that fee? to hear someone listen to my prayers but that's just i'm totally with you yeah exactly and plus my name is noel and i'm jewish so the whole christmas <laughs> thing you know so i that's you know my mom my mom loved me there for that <laughs> that reason <laughs> but um yeah let's start off with uh which i find it's a fascinating read is the real true hollywood story of jackie gold and um I know it's not like autobiographical, but was, did you take anything from like your personal experiences and put it into Jackie's character? Oh, sure. Um, you know, Jackie, uh, the protagonist of my novel is a big, huge superstar. And um, I was never a big, huge superstar, but I certainly grew up around them and knew them. And so I felt like I was able to write from that point of view. 
uh, Jackie's childhood uh, in the novel, which I go into um, uh, in pretty deep detail, is not dissimilar from my own. I grew up in Malibu Colony when I was a, a little girl. Um, that was a very unique and special experience that, um, that I really loved writing about uh, because, um, you know, Malibu Colony in, in the 60s and 70s was not the way it is now. It was not filled with movie stars. It was kind of like, you know, these beach shacks and, you know, bohemians. And, and, uh, and so I, I loved kind of delving into Jackie's life there as a child and some of the feelings that she had, um, certainly I shared as a child. But her journey, her journey as a, you know, a movie star who's pursued by the paparazzi and whose boyfriend is people's sexiest man alive <laughs> right. is, you know, blown up to the extreme so that, you know, I could uh, uh, tell this story in, in a way that I thought was really entertaining. Right. I always found like the, the people's sexy man alive, it's kind of a weird award because, you know, like I guess now Paul Rudd is. So what makes yeah. him more, you know, sexier now than he was two years ago? What makes, say, I don't know, Chris Helms or whoever was previously less sexy. So I kind of find and it. Who's like, voting? Who's voting? Exactly. That's what I want to know. Yeah, I, I want to be a voting <laughs> member. Doesn't of this. it really depend on who's voting? Yeah. I mean, I if agree. I were to choose, you know, the sexiest man alive, I might choose like Benedict Cumberbatch or someone yeah. or Adam Driver, you know, right. someone really quirky and weird and yeah, you know. exactly. <laughs> right. You know, and I'm totally comfortable on my, you know, masculinity to you know, say uh, if a man is sexy or not. And, you know, Paul Rudd doesn't age. I mean, he looks the same. Yeah, he does it's, it's weird. 25 yeah, years. Like so perennial teenager. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder what kind yeah. of deal he made, you know, to keep his look. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you mentioned like, you know, the paparazzi, um, like when you were younger, obviously none of this stuff was around like social media, the way we're talking to each other now, like TMZ, all those, like, so it was just like the Inquirer, right? And, you know, stuff like that. So how much do you think having that stuff in your life would have, you know, hindered it a little bit? Well, first of all, before I get into, you know, the part of the novel that deals with the paparazzi, let me say, thank you, God, that there were no cell phones <laughs> when I was a young actress. Right. Thank you, God, because I was acting out big time in right. those days. You know, I was given Lindsay Lohan a run for her money <laughs> when I was a young right. actress, and thank God none of it's been caught. Anyway, um, but Jackie, uh, Jackie is, um, because she's a big star, and it's the 70s, 80s, 90s, she is being pursued by the paparazzi in the way that Britney Spears was, and Lindsay Lohan, and Demi Moore, and um, my own experience in those days was, you know, it was pretty harmless. But um, what started me writing the novel was when a guy from the Inquirer showed up at my front door one day to question the paternity of my son. Oh, wow. And I went ballistic on him. It was still in my robe. I had my coffee in my hand. Right. I had a newborn sleeping in the other room. And I started to scream from that mother bear place and I chased him off the property. And it was the first time that I felt that they could really hurt me. They killed Princess Diana. Right. But 
but the but the other kinds of violation that that these guys are capable of you know digging in and accusing and putting and so you know it started this germ for me of you know what price fame where who is ultimately responsible is it them or is it the the celebrity's need for attention and and it it just started me on the journey of writing this novel Jackie tells her story from the coma in the hospital where she's lying having been uh, chased off a balcony uh, jump she jumps mm -hmm. off a balcony to escape the paparazzi and she's in a coma and she's telling her story from the hospital bed now Jackie tells it in a very funny way but it's not a funny story right yeah <laughs> you know what I mean and um and uh, the book um, goes back and forth between the drama unfolding at the hospital, or I should say also the comedy unfolding at mm -hmm. the hospital, and her telling her life and how she got to where she was and um, what led her there. And, um, you know, it was really, the novel took me, I didn't plan out what this story was going to be. Right. I just started with this angry germ of the actor versus the paparazzi and out came this novel that um that i think you know i've been told is very entertaining and and accessible and rewarding now, do you like kind of foresee like this being adapted into a movie you know i'm i've, I've been around too long to foresee anything <laughs> I just foresee the next pile of laundry, frankly, right. no. Yeah, <laughs> you know I, I know. Mean? <laughs> and that always piles up. <laughs> I, you know, I, I prefer to just be pleasantly surprised. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like, I guess having the parents you did, you know, Arnold Madoff being a, what's called a screenwriter and your, your amazing mother actress, Lee Grant, was this destined for you? Was this like the only path that you had was being? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I was a juvenile delinquent. <laughs> I, I had no choice but to become an actor. Right. I was uneducated. I was unqualified. <laughs> I was undisciplined. And I liked attention. And that pretty much sealed my fate, <laughs> you know. And in those areas, Jackie Gold and I are very much the same. Yeah. I really wrote from that point yeah. of view i guess you know? i guess you could have ran for for president in that regard as well i absolutely yeah. <laughs> i chose acting right. <laughs> <laughs> but really i was literally unqualified to do anything else and and because i had been raised what i say is basically raised in a production company there was an editing room in our garage and my mother was acting or directing and my stepfather was a producer and it was the only world i knew and I had, since the time I could read, I'd been cueing my mother on scripts, meaning reading the other characters' lines so that she could right. practice her lines. So, you know, I kind of just morphed into this acting world. And, um, and, and like my character of Jackie Gold, I, I felt very fraudulent for a long time because I, I hadn't really chosen it. I had fallen into it. And, um, and it was a long time uh, of working and, you know, working professionally until I felt I'd earned my place there. Did having like that 
family dynamic did that kind of help you in in regards to like auditions and having you know comfort I guess you know running lines with your mom and doing all that stuff it was double-edged because okay. in on the one hand it helped me tremendously in terms right. of contacts and you know knowing being familiar on the other hand my mother was a gorgeous famous respected icon and I felt always the in the shadow of that comparing myself to her and and I had to find and worked hard to find my own identity um, in light of her huge success and presence. Right. Now, did, did like her being blacklisted, did that hurt you at all? Well, <laughs> only in the sense that I grew up in a very depressed, dark household. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, her being blacklisted, you know, my memory of my early childhood, <laughs> this is totally serious. My memory of my early childhood, if I were like to paint, paint it, huh. would be my father and all these other Jews huddled in a living room, smoking cigarettes, making notes on yellow legal pads, and my mother standing anxiously in the corner. Huh. So this is... You know, if you watch the George Clooney movie, Are You Now or Have You Ever Been? I think, wasn't that the title of it? It was the George Clooney movie about the the blacklist. I mean, he nails it to the (laughs) T. It's this dark, black and white, smoky time. And that's kind of, you know, I remember once my father telling me, be careful what you say on the phone because our our lines are tapped. I was five. Wow. Well, what was I going to say? Yeah, right. you know, want a play date? You yeah. know. <laughs> but anyway, that's uh, that's how the blacklist affected us. My mother, um, the first job she got out of the blacklist was Peyton Place, and that yeah. moved us from New York to to Malibu when wow. I was eight. Yeah. Right. And that show was like groundbreaking. So it was. It was, great. and and yeah. it, when it really set her, you know, set her career on fire. Yeah, right. She played Stella Chernak. She yeah. was the evil. Right, yeah. bitch of the show, right. if I may say. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you weren't going to say it back then, but you can say it now. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, a couple of roles we'll get to yours. Um, I guess one that puts you really on the map. Uh, I ought to be in pictures winning the Tony Award. Um, I, I never saw the, the play, but I saw the movie uh, years ago. So was that difficult to? And you were the only actor, I believe, to be from the, the musical, to be in the, in the musical, the Broadway play, to be in the um, the movie. So what was the experience like uh, being doing the movie compared to the show? It, it was terrible. <laughs> I'll be honest. Right. You know, the great thing about retrospect and getting older is you could really say what, what you feel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. I don't have to, you know, please anybody. Neil right. Simon's not around anymore yeah. and her bras is gone and Walter Matthau's <laughs> gone. gone. God bless those men. I loved them right. so much. But the truth is it was terrible. I had a great experience doing the play. I learned to be an actress in that play. Her bras taught me everything I knew about acting. As I was saying earlier, I came to my career, you know, really haphazardly. 
and and I Ought to Be in Pictures was my first play. I'd never even done a high school play. And Herb Ross gave me chops. He taught me to act. And um, and then, you know, there I was, you know, winning a Tony and like, huh? You know, how'd that happen? And and then they offered me the film. And what happened was a combination of things. Herbert decided that the film should have a very dark uh, essence to it. The play was light. Yeah. The play was bouncy and fun and Neil Simon and light. But Herbert decided he wanted to, you know, do something heavy and different. And I had a fear of being on camera, terrible anxiety. I felt the pressure. I felt the Tony Award hanging over my head. I knew I was the only one who had been brought in from the play. I was young. I was unself-examined. And I was in fear every day that I was shooting, feeling the studio. I knew the studio didn't think I was pretty enough. Walter had told me that. He had said, there's a funny story, kid. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe I'm even telling you this. I've told very few people. Wow. What's coming out of me? I haven't had too much coffee this morning. Anyway, (laughs) I was in terror. And so when I watched the movie, I see all that in me i don't see any of the looseness and playfulness that i had on stage it's painful for me to watch i don't watch it it's 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 a you know it's something that i've put away how much aren't you glad you asked that question actually i I really am no that was a great answer (laughs) now what was like the experience like compared to walter you know playing for other in in the movie as well as like ron liebman in, in the play Boy, you're, you're well, you know, they're both gone, so I can tell a lot of tales. Right. Um, <laughs> they were both brilliant. Both brilliant. Ron, Ron had a need for attention on stage that was <laughs> obsessive. Right. He, he was a scene stealer. So you had to be very careful on stage with him because if you turned your back, yeah, he would be doing something to to grab the audience's attention. Walter was a quiet, hmm, uh, what's the word I want to use? Confident, confident and intense actor. He felt no need to prove himself in any way. He, he had absolute faith in his moment-to-moment ability to show up. He was completely out of the results and so inventive and so creative. I remember once he was just messing around on the stage. This is when we had phones with had cords on them. Right. And he was having a conversation with somebody on the phone and, and taking his sweater off at the same time that the cord got, but he was doing it for us to right. make us laugh you know what i'm saying yeah and that was the kind of actor he was it would come out of the blue unrehearsed um and i feel badly that i was not able to give that same connection back to him in the movie that i was too blocked and too frightened to connect to that when did you realize that 
oh, I don't know, in therapy five years ago? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what after like I guess filming it, did you know like right right away that this was this gonna be inferior to the play? No. no. I just I just, you know, didn't have any of that sense of relief. You know, also when you do theater and even doing sitcom, when you do a little play, there's a great sense of release and accomplishment because you're playing the story out in real time. Right. You know, so you, you get to actually ride your character arc. Well, in a film, you know, I think the first scene we shot was the end of the movie. I mean, it, it's, you know, really great film actors are very crafted, very crafted. And I... You know, I still don't know that I have, I, I was never an actress who could, who could um, modulate peers or, you know, yeah. <laughs> I never had that ability. You know, I stuck mm. an onion in my pocket for some auditions just to right. give myself some instant tear action, you yeah. know, and, and, and I want to say that, you know, that part of my novel, um, Jackie Gold, I, I explored that with her. Um, about what it takes to to be on camera and deliver a big performance. There's a, there's a chapter in Jackie Gold where she is um, where she has to deliver a performance that is way beyond her craft, and and the trickery that goes into it, and um, and she ends up you know getting nominated mm -hmm. for this performance, but it's all trickery that goes mm -hmm. into it. She doesn't have the chops to do it, and and one of the one of my experiences that that um, said that was when I did Ordinary People. Um, mm -hmm. I had one scene in Ordinary People. I played Karen, uh, Timmy Hutton's friend, who commits suicide, and it was one scene, but it was a really important right. scene. And I was not getting the performance that Robert Redford wanted from me. And, and I, didn't, I didn't know how to access it. And I was getting very frustrated. I only had one day to shoot. So he said to me, okay, play it all happy. I said, okay. And then he said, play it all tense and, and sad. And I did. And he cut that performance together in the editing room. Wow. And there was a performance that he was able to see in his vision that I just did not know how to feed to him at that time as a young actress. And so I worked with that in one of the chapters in Jackie Gold because I thought that was so interesting and so fresh to tell that. And that's like the difference between theater and movies, you know? Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It, exactly, and because the movies are the director's medium. Right. You know, I mean, for the most part, Art. and television is the producers and the writers, writers. Medium. but stage it's the actors it's it's ours right. you know i mean you know neil simon can tell you say it exactly like this you know every comma every period every dash has to be met but when you're on stage it's all yours yeah do you prefer that oh yeah yeah i loved being a stage actor you know if i thought i could you know, remember <laughs> 150 pages of lines, you know, I might still do it or 
you know, right. I didn't want to go to bed before 11. <laughs> <laughs> Theater's really hard. Yeah, right. <laughs> and after raising my three boys, I was like, do I really want to go, yeah, back? go back? That was really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, so now I'm a writer and I, I love being a writer. And I teach. I teach uh, acting, and and um, I also teach uh, acting at a women's prison nearby where I live. All right, you have a captive audience there, so that's good at least. (laughs) Boy, do I! Yeah, a lot of them don't want to be there. I mean, in my class, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure none of them want to be there. (laughs) Yeah, we we managed to have a really really good time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, like, what was the pandemic like for you? Well, continuing on. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess yeah. you can say the last 18 plus months now or almost two years now, really. What has it been like for me? In some ways, it's been a gift because I had an extra year with my son home. Um, they were, they graduated 20, they were the unfortunate class of 2020. Okay. And then they stayed home and, you know, tried doing online college and didn't really work and but I got an extra year with them which which I was grateful for um and in other ways you know it's been as terrible as it I mean less terrible for me than for most people in this world right and I I live on a little island near Seattle and I can walk every day in the forest I have a horse that I ride you know I write so my life is not all that changed you know and i'm in a very progressive mask wearing neighborhood (laughs) (laughs) i go to the market you know we all know you know none of nobody gets near each other and nobody hugs and (laughs) and everybody's masked and if you come in without a mask you know we'll kill (laughs) you right (laughs) you know Uh, that's good yeah I'm, I'm in connecticut and it's starting to get bad again here so it's yeah hopefully one day we'll get out of this but yeah one day. yeah it's you know i feel much uh much worse for the younger people like my kids you know who are really this pandemic has really changed their lives it's yeah. not changed mine as much as you know most people right yeah, it's my son's a senior in high school now, and hopefully, well, he'll, he, exactly. Yeah, he, he'll hopefully have a you know in-person graduation and just going through the uh, yeah. college process. Now it's you know it's difficult, but hopefully yeah. it'll all work out. Yeah. So speaking of a couple other roles, uh, one that you weren't in the musical, but you're in the movie Grease. Now, how much of like the musical? Did you actually see the musical? Did you knew, knew the whole background of it before? Yeah, the part yeah. Of Marty? I saw it on. I saw okay. off Broadway. I saw it on Broadway. Um, yeah, I saw uh, Barry Bostwick do uh, okay. uh, Zuko original. Uh, Zuko originally. Right. Yeah. And um, I saw Adrian. Um, Adrian, what's his last name? Adrian. A- shit. Oh, from Adrian. From a uh, not from Greece too, right? Yeah. Oh, Adrian Zamed. Oh, yes, I yeah. thank you. Because yeah. <laughs> Adrian Barbeau, but that was yeah. a whole other actress. <laughs> yeah. Zamed do it. Yeah. Um, you know, he came to LA with it. Anyway, yeah. I saw lots of Greece and I auditioned for the role of Frenchie. Okay. And then they had me back to, to audition for Marty. And um, Joel Thurm, the casting director, um, uh, said to me when I came in for Marty, he said, more fire and ice 
that was his note to me. Right. And Fire and Ice was at the time in the fifties. It was a red lipstick. Okay. And and so um, I took that note and I I did a little Marilyn Monroe imitation for my Marty character and put on my very my Aunt Fremo's old red lipstick. (laughs) Right. And I got the part. Yeah. Now, like, did you have the singing and dancing background? for the movie or no not at all no. <laughs> first of all i'm a passable singer and a terrible dancer right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth right but you know playing marty i think i you know when we had the dance audition and and there i was with all those dancers and the actors were all vying for the parts and they're all keeping up with the steps and i knew i was sunk so i just shimmied and right. swiveled and I did what I thought Marty would do in that situation. And I think that that was so funny that, that the producers and the director just yeah. bought it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. said, okay. So yeah. we'll shake her hips and we'll hide her in the big dance. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I did. Right. Now, did they like tell you that they were going to cut like Freddie, my love out of, of the movie? Was that filmed or is that just, it wasn't in the, it wasn't even in the script. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, I kind of had my fingers crossed that they might, you know, think it was so fabulous. They put it back in, but it wasn't even in the script. All the focus was really on, on John and Olivia and, you know, Stockard got her numbers, which were, I think they're my favorite numbers in the, yeah in the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. Were there any like jokes on the set that basically she could have been a parent of a high school senior? Because she was, what, 34? <laughs> well, certainly not on the set. <laughs> right. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. I'm sure she wouldn't have been happy, but yeah. None of us were teenagers. Right. You know, all of us had left our teens quite a yeah. long time ago. Those Stockard, I think, was, um, I don't know if Stockard was the oldest one. But she certainly, you know, looked great. So yeah. it didn't really matter. And, right. And I was, you know, I she was my idol. So I just yeah. followed her around like a puppy dog in character and out of character right yeah no she knocked it out of the park she was she was yeah, fantastic she was yeah. amazing right and you mentioned adrian's met was there any talk about you being in greece too or no never no okay. <laughs> <laughs> right no they were going a whole different way yeah. you know with greece too and over the years <laughs> there have been so many times when over the years there's like this flurry of oh, we're going to bring everybody back and you'll play the parents now or you'll play yourselves. And and it never comes right. to fruition. And so I don't, you know, you I don't think... even, yeah. And uh, yes, yeah. no. Right, because I think there's talk now, that, right? There's supposed to do like a Pink Ladies show or yes, something like so that. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard, yeah. Right, so, yeah. And nothing was brought up to you about it, right? You know, yet? and no, and, you know, God bless them, I mean, let them take the characters as far as they can i mean it's really yeah. fun every halloween i get a gaggle of pink ladies at my door i'm sure singing me summer nights you yeah. know i love that i mean right. i think you know i love that greece lives on in that in that way and that you know people are delighted uh, by it or by meeting me for some reason <laughs> even though you know it was a thousand years ago right. you know <laughs> yeah no <laughs> i mean fun, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, the, the movie. I mean, just, I can't. Just, I was gonna yeah, say, just like it lives on generation, generation. Every every it, kid loves it. You know, man, you know, boy, amazing. girl. It's, the music's yeah. great, and they had the sing along movie, you know, out. And I think they had the live version of Greece. 
yeah yeah did did you watch that or no the live version no yeah okay no yeah i just yeah no right you lived it you didn't want to have to (laughs) yeah no i just i don't have any you know i i probably should have i mean i have friends who are in it you know but i don't know right (laughs) now uh do you actually see greece too or no you see that oh yeah i saw okay yeah that was a long time ago right yeah michelle pfeiffer was in we had the same acting teacher at the time and i was just you know i was so like bowled over by she she was so clearly going to be a huge movie star there was no question about it i mean in those days we we um a lot of us studied with a wonderful teacher named peggy fury and uh sean penn was in class jeff goldblum was in class and and uh and michelle was in class and i was like whoa wow, yeah. and then she got that grease two part and, you know and yeah. even though the movie you know sucked yeah she was she came out she came out okay yeah you know, she came out okay she yeah. held her own right she lived she lived to tell about it and did quite well after that yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah now like one of my favorite probably my favorite role of yours was carol on um empty nest i love the show and um like you said before we started i wasn't really the demographic when i started i think it was like 13 years old but it was you know really funny because it was you know creators of golden girls and soap also another show that that you were on um did that like actually help you get the role because you you knew the creators and the writers beforehand actually well yes and no it it they were familiar with me and liked me and and that helped me have access to auditioning for the role but they were concerned about my capability for discipline okay. <laughs> because when i was on soap um it was another time in my early career where I did not, um, gosh, how shall I put this delicately? Um, I was not showing up as professionally as I could in those days. And they were concerned. Right. And uh, I had to reassure them that I had grown up a great deal. And I had um, since, uh, since soap and that I would be professional, responsible and disciplined. And Jay Sandrich, who directed the pilot, was concerned that I would get bored once Susan Harris stopped writing the script. And that's really interesting to reflect back on because, you know, when you do a a sitcom that runs for seven years, you go through lots of different uh, sets of writers. Right. And and what happened for, I think, all of us on Empty Nest, not, you know, we had some great writers. Even after Susan left, we had great writers. Um, and sometimes the scripts would come in, you know, and really hit the mark. And other times you'd feel like they don't know your character. And so, you know, a lot of that seven years, especially the last three years, were really spent me fighting for the character's voice to stay consistent right 
I'm sure you've seen that in lots of shows. Of course, you know, yeah. Where, yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, I feel very grateful that I had that job. I, I mean, first of all, to have a seven year run on anything as an actor in Hollywood is right. a miracle. It's a, a, a freaking miracle. Right. And, and, uh, you know, and to, and to be able to bank some bank, you know, for yeah. the leaner years to come. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause I mean, when yeah. you get new writers and like, you know, the later years, they don't know the character like you do. I mean, no. you've lived it. And they don't you know. know the the germination of it. You know, right. the, the stuff that you started out with, you know, can get very lost in looking for, you know, like it, it's like in a lot of ways, they're like traffic cops. They have like a laugh quota to fill. Like right. the cops have their ticket photo. Yeah. So the writers have this laugh, laugh quota. quota. Right. And you're put up to, to, to deliver their laugh quota, whether it feels true to you or not. Right. And that was a big problem for me. Yeah. Um, but working with Richard Mulligan yeah. and Christy was so, and David Leisure, right. you know, these guys, they're, they're, they still feel, even though Richard's not here anymore, he feels like my family. Right. I mean, I really, he really was my dad for those years, you know, yeah. and, and what a guy, what a, what a man he was. Did it also hurt when Christy left? I mean, it, it hurt the show when she left because the dynamic oh, it between sure the two was, was yeah. fantastic. It, it, it hurt the show and it hurt me. Um, I, I still, I'm still friends with Chris and I Ooh. love her so much. Right. But yes, it was, it was devastating for us when she mm -hmm. left. But she needed to do that. She saved her own, she saved her own life. Okay. She, you know, she was very open and, and out right. front about why she yeah. needed to leave. And couldn't do that schedule anymore. Was, right. was killing her. Yeah, that was the most important thing. So that's, that's yeah, good. of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you guys went back all the way from to family, right? And you guys yeah. the family yeah. with her. Yeah. Like one of my first jobs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, I know that was a spinoff of the Golden Girls, and they also guest starred in your show and vice versa. And I heard a bunch of crazy stories about B. Arthur. And one about they're all um, true. They're all true. <laughs> the, the the chewing of the gum that she actually hated that. Yeah, B was B was something. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I got yelled at for chewing gum on her set. Uh -oh. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then she and then she came on our set, and I was yeah. chewing gum, and I said, nah, "Sorry, right. <laughs> my territory <laughs> <Yeah>. now." <laughs> right, I'm the home team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I I worshipped her. I mean, how could you not worship B. Arthur? Right. Know? Yeah. Was she was she always barefoot on set? I don't remember barefoot. I remember flip flops. Okay. I do remember seeing her toes definitely, <laughs> but I don't. I don't know if I remember barefoot. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know, obviously, this the whole the, the main star of the show was Dreyfus. So. Uh, oh, our show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. yes, that's true. This is. <laughs> this sums up my career. <laughs> so, Dinah, what was it like to work with a dog? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And then, that should have really be the title of my memoir. What yeah. was it like to work with the dog? Yeah. And get killed by a by a doll. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What was it like to die by Chucky's hand? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. that's an honor because you were actually his first victim. I was first kill. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was good. Yeah. So by a ball, I mean, like a little doll comes at you with a ball peen hammer. 
and then you yeah. end up getting killed and going through the window. I mean, that's like, yeah. that's, that's some feat. So like, that was fun. Yeah. I have to say that making that movie was a lot of fun because, you know, to do horror film acting is, yeah. you know, like, oh, right. what's behind that? Oh, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that was your whole scene <laughs> like that. Too. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I'm like, ooh, you know, it's like, I'm in a Hitchcock film now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So what was like the whole, like, obviously there wasn't uh, like a real person. It was a dummy probably going through the window and uh, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I hope so. Well, yeah. I mean, a stunt woman, but yeah. But... <laughs> no, neither of them throw even a stunt no, person I know, out I know. that window. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, How yeah. Much, yeah. How much of that scene did you actually do? Everything up to the window? <laughs> All the way up until I fell backwards into the window. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you have you seen? Because I think they just come out with the TV show as well. So there's so much Chucky going around these days. Have you like kind of stayed with the with the franchise or no? You kind of just watched. Have you even seen your movie? I have never seen Past Where I Die. Wow! And since I die right in the beginning of the movie, <laughs> yeah. I would have to say Same. not really. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, horror movies scare me. They freak me out. So yeah. I like I liked acting in it, but I. I don't like to watch them. Right. I mean, I haven't watched my mother's movie, The Omen 2. Oh, two yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, I've never watched that either. Yeah. yeah. Right. And she was actually on your on your show for an episode. Oh uh, yeah. And you know, yeah. yeah. What yeah, was that? We, that like? didn't work out so great. No. No. I mean, no. we were fine, you know. Right. She and I were fine, but it wasn't one of our best uh, scripts and and she was she was uncomfortable. It was a hard week actually. Right. Yeah. yeah. How did the transition to directing come about? For me? Yeah, on that show. Um, you know, the producers, uh, Paul Witt and Tony Thomas, they offered me the chance. I think they, <laughs> you know, I, I am an actress who is seeing all the stuff on the set that kind of needs to be fixed. Mm -hmm. And I'm always trying to keep my mouth shut about it. It's just how I see. And so I think they were tired of me going to them and saying, you know, this could be different. And, this could yeah. be different. and they, said, they finally threw a bone my way. And they said, why don't you just direct an episode? And I, I loved it. I mean, I felt for the first time, like I could use my, my natural uh, nosiness and busybodiness to great yeah. you know, to creative benefit. And, and um, I had such a good time directing. I think I directed six, six empty nest episodes. I can't remember. Um, and also I had such a supportive crew, you know, they wanted me to succeed. There. Right. Um, but it was at a time when there were very few women directors. I mean, maybe a handful, if that. And when I left empty nest, and I went on to try, uh, I tried to pursue a, a career directing television mm -hmm. and it was brutal out there. It was brutal. And I learned that I did not have the nature to survive that kind of right. conflict. And, um, and I was not submissive enough of a person to just do what I was told. told. 
I mean, I guess, I mean, so, if that's your nature, you're not going to change. You're not going to conform. So that's, that's good well, for you. Well, if it's worth it, you know, you do, but it was not worth, worth. it to me right. to, to, to do what, what would have been necessary for me to stay competitive in that world. And I didn't need it. You know, right. I have, I'm fortunate that I have other means of creative outlet. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned you haven't seen, you know, Child's Play, but if something of yours pops up, like Grease is always on, or an episode of Emptiness. Can you sit and watch it? Depends. You know what I love watching? The Emptiness outtake reel. Okay. That came up, that, someone sent me that very recently. I had never seen it it's on right. YouTube. Yeah. I laughed. I, I sat and watched it for an hour. I laughed <laughs> so hard. I thought, oh my God, we had so much fun. I had forgotten how much fun we had. Right. You know, it's, I think the outtake reel is even better than the show. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so delightful. Yeah, I can watch some stuff. I love watching myself in Greece. I think I'm yeah. just adorable. <laughs> Interestingly, at the time when I was filming it, I thought I was fat, ugly, and untalented. So oh, come on. to watch it, I swear to you, right. I was so insecure. I mean, uh, you know, it was always something, you know, my thighs, my nose, my something, mm. you know, that I just wasn't up to par. But now I watch it like, oh, God, if only I had been able to enjoy my young, adorable, juicy self. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't that just the way it is? Yeah, exactly. You can't change it now. <laughs> For all yeah. of us. You know? yeah. Did you take anything from the set from that movie? The jacket or anything? I Lipstick? wish I had. <laughs> Dee Dee saved everything. I was like, ah, yeah. on to the next, next adventure thing. in life. Right, yeah. What is that I had saved all that memorabilia? Barry Pearl has everything. Oh, wow, okay. Dee Dee Khan has everything. They're like, yeah. they're so smart, those two. Right. Yeah, nothing. I saved nothing. Oh, okay. Nothing but my memory. Yeah. Or at least maybe on Child's Play, they could have at least given you the hammer, right? They could have given me the bloodied hammer. Hammer, yeah. Yeah, I listen. I've saw I've signed a lot of Chucky dolls. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, Jackie Gold is out now. Um, are there any plans of doing like an audio version of it? Yes, actually, I'm glad you asked about that. I'm doing the audible version. I'm recording it in January, so it should be. I'm hoping it will be out in time for the Oscars in March because I think Jackie Gold is a great pre-Oscar read. Right. Um, I do think it is also a great Christmas present <laughs> and you can buy the real true Hollywood story of Jackie Gold at Amazon or at your, you can ask for your local bookstore to order it, which I prefer because that's good for the local bookstores. Right. So it'll take you a little longer to get it. Um, or you can buy it from my website at signamanoff.org. Uh, but uh, the fastest way is to get it on Amazon or, you know, bookshop.org. But what's it called? Bookshop bookshop.org i think so yeah right or dot com dot org dot com yeah try both exactly (laughs) anyway yeah and um i hope i hope your listeners do read it because i think it's a great ride and um and i think it's very identifiable even though it's about a big movie yeah i definitely look forward to to finishing it and uh, happy hanukkah and happy holidays dinah oh thank you for having me noel
And a special thanks to Dinah for joining me today. Like she said, the book, The Real True Hollywood Story of Jackie Gold, is out everywhere. Go check it out. It's fantastic. The audio version is coming soon. If you want to follow her on Twitter, she's at the Dinah Manoff. Her website is dinahmanoff.org. It is org. And if you have a guest suggestion, hit me up on Twitter at the first null one nine, or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I'd really appreciate it. If you don't have iTunes, not a problem. Shows on Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, Amazon Music. Basically, wherever you can listen to a podcast. A new episode comes out every week. Stay safe, everybody, and happy holidays.